Talking Pandemics is an initiative to give a voice to young professionals and researchers on their view of the current pandemic, helping to educate the global audience to think about the pandemic more logically and analytically. Remember to subscribe to receive our episode alert and share the episode so more people can be updated on the current pandemic. Welcome. It is still astonishing for me that the greatest institutes ever created, the Center for Disease Control in the United States, the top institutes in the UK, and the World Health Organization were caught off guard when the pandemic started. I wanted to know more of why, even after anticipating a pandemic for a long while, we were not able to control it during its initial stages. My guest joins me today as we take a deeper look into different events which shaped the current situation. At the end of the talk and drawing lessons from it, I will try and provide a conclusive remark on a setup or a system which could have actually avoided the situation we currently are in at least to some extent. Welcome to Talking Pandemic. Today, it's my absolute pleasure to introduce you to Eric Omar, a colleague of mine. He has worked all around the world and is associated with prestigious organizations which work in the field of infectious diseases. He did his bachelor's in biomedicine in Kenya and then a master's in vaccinology. He has experience in health data mining and is currently working as a PhD candidate in South Africa. Eric, welcome on board and thank you so much. Thank you actually for the, the welcoming and for the invitation. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. I remember when this thing started, the pandemic. I mean, we didn't know it was a pandemic then. We just thought it is an outbreak in China. But I remember you posting a document showing numbers of how this will exponentially increase. I thought it is not possible in today's age. And then here we are. And hence, my first question to you is, when did you know that it can be this huge? At what time? When this pandemic started, most of the people did not know what was going on. First data we got, first data we got were not, were not telling us what really was going on. But when Wuhan was placed under lockdown on January 23rd, when it was placed under lockdown, we knew things were not going well. And if you remember, on February 2nd, the first death was recorded in the Philippines outside China. And yes. this was a game changer. Mm. People, but people did not listen. Then what happened, the doctor, Dr. Lee, the one who discovered this thing, died on February 7th. Still people did not look look at this. And in the same day, the death was recorded also in the United States. So during those times, late January and early February, we knew these things were going to be fatal. But most people did not listen, even if it, we break down the number exponentially based on the data that we were we received, we received from, from, from China, the initial data, which what was really going on. But people did not listen. By that time, late January and early February, we knew this thing was going to be bad. Hmm. And I remember also that that's the same time which find me when I when I went to Ethiopia. And the second mission for me in Ethiopia was to to find out the, the readiness, the readiness of the mostly the airport from the evaluation. We found out people are not ready. Hmm. Yeah. So you knew in early February yeah. that it, it could be this bad. Yeah, we knew it could be this bad, but they were thinking it's a China thing. If you look at the to the 3rd of January to 7th of February. What happened between those times mm-hmm. will tell you this thing was going bad. So just a simple question. Yeah. We knew that it is possible, but then why weren't we prepared? So we were not prepared because, because mostly because of politics. 
and uh, we gave politicians more time than scientists. You see, what happened in, uh, like in an Ebola situation in Africa, where the Ebola was in DRC Congo, or in Yemen, cholera outbreak in Yemen, we see it as this that region thing or that country thing. There now there's, there's a lot of interconnection and a lot of travel, and people carry disease along. So, so far, things, people are seeing this thing as a China thing. If you look at February, February was a month for most countries like the US and Europe really know what they were dealing with, but they ignore that month. And that's why some of them have been overrun. And the politicians took center stage. So a lot of investment was not done. Some countries which have also even have got a game, a game plan, did not even activate those game plans. Mm. Yes, I mean, I'm, I cannot even talk about uh, developing countries, but developed countries like USA and them having the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. It is, I, I used to think that it is the ultimate organization who just knows stuff about this, you know, and you have worked under them. What is their take on this? So if you look at in the US, US, you see <clears throat> one thing which happened, the former president, that is the George W. Bush, and the Barack Obama, they have really worked on a pandemic response plan. In one of the pandemic plans, there's also this mention of coronavirus. Uh -huh. Because there was a problem of coronavirus in 2015, the mass one, that, and the SARS in 2003. That's what helped Korea, Korea in the 2015. We'll talk about Korea after. But the CDC, yeah. CDC, there's a lot of politics in the U.S. And remember, U.S. was going through January, they were going through impeachment of Trump, and they were having yes. tension with Iran. So the government took the focus to that, those areas. And then there's also tension between the U.S. and the China, the trade war that they've been, they've been having all along. Secondly, mm. around January, the CDC requested for China to send their staff because no one knew the genome of this virus. No, the information was not there. CDC was flying blind. They didn't know what was going on. They were just, they were just ready for the worst. They were flying blind by that time. So when they requested the China to send their, their CDC staff, because they really needed the genome of the virus, they really needed the genome of the virus so that they can start studying the genome of the virus. But it was not coming. The scientists never went to the China who want to find out what was going on. And that's why they're having problems with the WHO. And mm -hmm. if you look at the second thing, CDC made up the testing. The testing that they first made, they was having a problem. Second one was having a problem. And then another thing that really made the CDC have a problem in the US is that for you to do corona testing, you have to seek approval from them. And by that itself, had to call CDC and wait for approval for the test. There was a lot of politics, there was a lot of laxity, and there's also misinformation, which, and this made the preparedness of CDC not be that good. And CDC also like to be at the forefront. When yes. something happens, they're in the forefront. That means they're able to generate the information. China released the genomic information around, was it 25th or 20? Around 20, late January. And it's when now those guys started preparing for, for the testing, the drugs. Mm. Uh, I, I remember seeing a report in YouTube, where, in CNN, where they were saying that there was a document about the steps that should be taken mm. once there's an outbreak like this, if it arrives to the United States. But uh, it wasn't implemented. I don't, I don't have a lot of information regarding that document. What I know that there is, this is something which the former governments have put in place in preparation of the pandemic. So it's something that shows that the steps that are required when there's a, a pandemic in the country, I think it was not followed. And that's why you see there are a lot of people hitting the government and the government did not follow what is required. But I have, I have no idea about that document. I've not seen it, but I know that it exists. Now coming to the UK, I remember 
listening to Mr. Prime Minister, and he said that it will go, it will just become better, and it did not. But what do you think? And if you look at the documentation that were released by Public Health England all along, they were that they are very low risk, they were low risk, everything was just low risk. They were just talking about low risk, low risk, low risk. So they, 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 they was complacent. And they, they even were bragging that they were testing some of from countries that were unable to test. But when they, the rubber hit the road now in the UK, they were really hit because they could not even test the number of samples that they were required to test in a day. And that is where UK started having a lot of, a lot of problems. With that, they went for the herd immunity. Everybody was talking about that. Let's have herd immunity. After having the herd immunity, then, then the, the things, will, things will go on as required. So they did a lot of self-regulation without no testing. And that is where the UK went a bit wrong. They were, it's all about, they were not testing. Coronavirus was about test, test, test. And even WHO tell people, test, test, test. So UK was a lot of self-regulation and they were not even testing enough. And this decentralized aspect of putting everything that tested in a centralized place without delegating it, decentralizing to other places also affected them. UK was all about very low, very low risk, very low risk. And that is what the message they were passing. Yeah. Okay, so what can you tell me about South Korea? I have no idea how did they handle this. So South Korea, I've been in South Korea, so the technology is used there a lot. But remember the mass of 2015, it's really affected Koreans and that they learned lessons of the Middle East respiratory, one of the coronas. Ah, okay. What they did, the first is test. Second one is trace, the third one is street. So they were able to test a lot, trace these people and treat those people. And if you look at the start of the pandemic, South Korea was above Italy. Above Italy until somewhere, they started now testing more Italy over past days. In South Korea, there were over 600 testing sites where to test over 600 all over the country. Like our, in our case, in our country like here in Kenya, we have only seven places, but Korea has 600 testing sites where you can go and be tested. Then in South Korea, you look at privacy versus the, the public interest. They were able to do this integrated into your phone. So they, you see the contact tracing aspect and they could able to see that this person with this phone was able to take this metro line. So this metro line is possibility of high risk because this person which was having corona might have used it. You see that? Wow. So they were able to integrate the technology and trace these people, track them and even give warning so that if you go to the area where there's someone who had corona was was infected is, you are you got an alert level. So you are a warning and the chances that you, once you get this warning, you can go for test. So there's a lot of testing. They did a lot of testing and they, and it means that they, are, they have a lot of small companies that are coming up, which were allowed by the government to even make, make the, the testing, hit assay and the rest. And they did this testing, a lot of them, they trace all these people, people, and that's why South Korea is one of the models that everybody is always looking at. See, in our places like Kenya, here, all the U.S., privacy is the key. But in South Korea, public interest outweighs the privacy. So if they can break into privacy for the public interest, they will do it, and that's what they did to cut them. And the government was also willing to work with the people, and the people were also willing to work with the, with the government. And this is something which was done to every country. If you test more, you get more. You remove these people more from the community or you isolate them or you quarantine if you don't test a lot chances that you will miss a lot so this a lot that you miss will transmit the disease to more people mm. 
we are community, we like socializing and everything. Mm -hmm. So that is what helps South Korea. Test, 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 test. Test as many as you can. Can you revise those three T's again in the in the sequence? We have the test, okay. trace, and treat. Mm. Another important country is Sweden. Do you okay? First, my question is: Do you consider it a success or not? So Sweden, what they went for was a social distancing, and the social distancing is something which is now key practice everywhere, and and a bit of herd immunity. So they knew very well that if they social distance, they reduce probably gathering to less than fifty people, which you have seen some kinds of countries also have practiced that where people started gathering a lot. Then they also say there's no bus service, like in our country now there's no bus service. And then they went for her immunity. So if you look at what Sweden is practicing, it's what countries that went after lockdown are doing nowadays. So you can mm. classify that as success. So the social distancing is like what has worked for them because they have not been hit so hard. But as well as they have a lot of debt, but they also went for her immunity. And being that Sweden is also a low population country, it's very easy to do this social distancing and everything. So you cannot, you can never, if you look at it, you can never classify them. If you look at the number of deaths, you may say, no, they, they, it never worked. But if you look at how they have gone and managed their things, they never locked down their country. You may say that they have left successfully. And I think they also have a good public health aspect of them. And I think people also obediently follow the laws. As Sweden is controversial, but also it's a model which cannot be implemented in most of the countries other than, like, other than Sweden or some places because the literacy rate is high, people follow the rules and the population is sparse, right? Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. for the countries will never do that. That one will be too difficult to achieve. It requires like a age long process of a culture that cannot come in a year that you tell people to Okay. So another big question. After that I think we will welcome Angela. So this question is about WHO. I want to ask you, for me, WHO is one of the best things we have created as yeah. in, in the modern history. But I want to ask you, in your personal opinion, do you think yeah. they missed something here this time? They could have done something better. You see, this pandemic, everybody missed something. The big center, public health bodies missed something. China missed something. But one thing which happened that WHO was slow, but they're slow you can also understand because they do not have all the facts. If you overreact, people will point finger on you. But why did you do this thing if you did not know this? Because remember even the, the letter, was it from Taiwan or where, which wrote to them about the person-to-person -person transmission? And they did not take act on that letter immediately. And that one has really been the, a lot of problems even with the US. So the transmission nature of this viral and fatal aspect of it it's what really people did not know, and WHO tried a lot of information. And even the, the first team which WHO sent to China, I think it was a little too late. This should have been come early. But also it depends on the information they were receiving from China. China. By 23rd January, the disease already was in six countries, gone beyond, beyond something that you can say that is contained only in China. It was, and the China itself, the, the, the city itself was under lockdown, the Wuhan. So by that time, the WHO should have just declared the public health emergency of international concern, which they happen, yes, happened after in one week's time. In January, in one week's time, they declared it. January 30th, they declared it. But it came a little too late. It should have been come early because the disease already was spreading. By the time they were talking about that this is an emergency in all in China, they should have just declared it as 
public health of international concerns so that everybody should every government should start ways of protecting their their own citizens because by that declaration it gives governments of those of every country to start protecting their citizens because now it means that the worst is coming but WHO there is where I can say WHO was slow in declaring that but information every every country was slow every information you were depending on information that was coming from China but you cannot say this person did wrong there's weakness and strength in every aspect. There's pros and cons on how they reacted. But WHO was depending also the information they were they were receiving. Yes, their team went late in China, which was also you can understand that they were trying to bring all information at a desk before they left. After the PI public health informed, then after some I don't know after around two weeks was it after two weeks or one week they declared it a pandemic. Nothing after three weeks or two weeks, and from there the WHO have been just taking information by phone and warning. As much sometimes they warn even without. A lot of information, but they have been warning throughout. If you look at the disease, how the disease spread, it started in Asia. And we knew very well when the disease started in Asia, it was going to land first in Europe. And then it overran Europe. Then Europe and the US is like one thing. Yeah. By March, we were warning the, the Latin America, but Latin America did not listen to the Brazilians and everything. So it's supposed to come back to Africa before it starts start in Asia. But we got help India. India went through a lockdown and isn't the disease for some time. But you cannot go put people lockdown until when. You have to lose people, people need food. And that's why you guys are also having a very big, now the spike on cases. But yes. the British did what they can and they won. Remember even the director said that Africa might contain, I'm warning you. Yes. <laughs> so yes. they did what they, uh, they, what they could. They really did. And now they are sending a team into South Africa. I think the team landed last week. Yeah. No, I, that is so true that I remember them telling every time that this is serious you need to take care you need to take care and people just ignoring yeah. it and some countries even blaming them instead of starting to work also yeah. do you think this is my personal opinion but i want to ask what do you think they have a consultative suggestive role who who has some powers but their powers is limited within the organization not to the countries Yes. As much so, there is a good day for the WHO to work very well. There must be a very good will from this each country. The good will of each country will help them work well. If there is no good will in that country, and they're having problem, like an example is Burundi. Burundi, they in Africa, they kick out the WHO people, and what happened? They even their former president died. People think it was COVID. They need good will. WHO for WHO work very well. There must be a good will from this country and support. So for them, because you know one thing, WHO have been working hand in hand with CDC always, and the country's Minister of Health, they always work hand in hand. And without no, without no good, that goodwill, the WHO work, you know, because it's a United Nations body, yes, but they require the, the bodies, yeah, as long as they have frameworks in each country, but they still want that country Minister of Health to work with them hand in hand. So they have not, they're not that strong that you can say that they have the strength they can, so that is where they have a problem. But they have need goodwill of those countries, and when they work together, they work for the benefit of the country and, and the continent. And we will end this this particular session here. Bye. We have had a, a nice discussion. It is very nice discussing COVID. Always, COVID is a, it's new. We are learning every day. We are learning a new thing every day. Everything come up. Even look at the papers. Papers that were published initially, now published now. Some of our others that come up. So we are learning a lot of information. I can tell you, I've been reading COVID. Some things I don't even understand up now. It's nice talking to you. It's always nice talking about COVID and everything. Thank you. 
I hope you enjoyed the discussion. If there is one thing I would like you to take with you from here is the realization that we need multilateral organizations like WHO more than ever. We have eradicated smallpox, are very close to eradicate polio. We had plans of eliminating TB by 2020-2030 from a severely endemic country like India and have controlled diseases like measles to a great extent. There are such countless examples of where international organizations have worked exhaustively in controlling infectious diseases. Then, if they don't work as we want them to work in a particular situation, we need to empower these organizations, encourage them and give a deeper look on the areas of improvements rather than ignoring or abandoning them. For countries like India, no one or no organizational body could have given or currently can give a concrete coronavirus rescue plan. But we can give a cursory view on both the utopic and dystopic scenarios for a particular situation. I think we are living on the dystopic version of the pandemic situation. Let's have a peek into the utopic side. Imagine, imagine what if each country had an epidemic preparedness plan as many have disaster management plans. It would have a detailed response to various phases of an and it would acknowledge the levels of pathogen lethality and give special importance to emerging pathogens like the coronaviruses. Imagine what if healthcare systems had a transparent global integrative database to report and share data during emergencies. With it, also the capacity to hold highly trained personals to manage and derive conclusive reports from these databases. With such a system, countries could have been warned much before the virus knocked their doors and would, could, face the unknown more prepared. Imagine, what if epidemiologists were trained in their homelands, especially in developing countries, and were encouraged to indulge into their research interests through various stimuli. In such a crisis like the current pandemic, it would have allowed them to make epidemic response plans tailor-made for the demographics and dynamics of a country based on the concrete theoretical and practical research backing. Imagine, what if global citizens had confidence in their national and international governance system and if the political parties all around the world have made healthcare as an indisputable major agenda during their elections. I understand that life should not be lived in what-if scenarios, but such what-ifs become very important if we can make them our future goals and not take the lessons learned from the pandemic lightly. I have mentioned an email address in the description of the epi episode and would love to know your anti-pandemic what-if scenario. Maybe we can discuss about them in the next episode. With that, it's a wrap and thank you so much for listening. Join us again next episode and make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the different platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts so you never miss an episode. Plus, to continue enjoying our discussion more in detail, you can visit us in our Patreon at patreon.com slash talkingpandemic, 
where you can access to exclusive content. Check it out! Links are in the description below and remember to stay tuned, stay safe, be strong and be curious.